As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Soccer Show, where today we're leading on the news that Jesse Marsh has been relieved of his duties as Leeds United boss. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today and I'm joined by the Athletic's very own Paul Tenorio. Paul, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I feel like, uh, yeah, I wasn't ready for this news to drop. I, I watched the Forest game yesterday and... Uh, Forest leads one nil win for Forest. Obviously, that's that ends up doing in Jesse Marsh. I thought for for stretches of that game, Leeds was the better team. Uh, second half, I thought was a little disappointing, but I'm I'm a bit surprised at this news. To be honest, just after the way the the transfer window went, I didn't I didn't see the trigger going this quickly. Yeah, I think this is it. And it's probably the easiest place to start with. There's plenty of discussion to be had around this in terms of where Jesse is right now in his career, what this means for the USMNT's next manager search. And we'll come to all of those things. But I think, you know, first and foremost, we're looking at a sacking that I think has surprised a lot of people. Now, when you look at Obviously, Leeds' recent results, I don't believe they've won in seven. You know, you can see where the board are in terms of being trigger happy, in terms of the fact that Leeds are only out of the Premier League relegation zone on goal difference right now, although they do have a game in hand. But we've seen a transfer window where Jesse Marsh has been backed. Maximilian Verber was brought in, someone who he knew very, very well from Salzburg. We saw Chris Armas come into the backroom staff at Leeds United as well. We saw Weston McKenney signed on, deb- on deadline day. And you're looking at all of that and thinking, hang on, we're what, five days on from the transfer window? We're one game on from that transfer window completing. And they've made the decision at this point. I think that's maybe what shocked a lot of people here. Yeah, it certainly seemed like they were comfortable building around what Jesse Marsh wanted to build. The type of team he wanted to play with, the type of style that he has shown is, you know, entrenched in who he is as a manager. Um, But, you know, there was also some tactical changes that were happening. They were moving to a different formation within that system. Uh, I certainly, you know, you and I were talking before that we started recording and, and these are players who are 
you know, are quality players. They can play different systems. Uh, Max Vober played at at Ajax before he went to Salzburg. Yeah. And you know we've seen Weston McKinney play at Schalke. We've seen him play at Juve. Neither of those teams, well, Schalke did press, of course, but not in, totally in the system of Red Bull. Juve, not so much, not not in that same style. So you know the, there are tactically flexible players here, um, but I it just felt like they were you know all in on this system and the belief that if they if they leaned into this structure and leaned into Jesse Marsh, they would be able to stay out of the relegation zone and, and stay in the Premier League. So it just feels, um, yeah, just surprising in one way and maybe not in another because Jesse Marsh never had the full backing of the fans. It never felt like he did, partly because he was taking over from Bielsa, who was such a, a huge hero at the club, yeah. partly because he was American. And I think some of Jesse's uh, Americanisms, the way you know, I, I've seen how he gets teased for you know, LinkedIn post type of talks after games and and things like that, that like I think some of that rubbed people the wrong way. His kind of constant optimism in front of um, in front of the media and in and, and the messages he was putting out to the public. Um, and then, of course, the results, they were there was never any convincing run of form where you were like, OK, like he's he's locked into this job. It's kind of always felt like he was living on the edge. So it's a surprise and it's not a surprise. And, and the timing is such that it makes it, uh, I think, a very interesting next, you know, five or six months for, for Jesse Marsh. Yeah, well, and and of course for Leeds United, I think this is like one sure. of those where they have to they have to now really gamble on getting this next appointment right. And you know, as you say there, I think there's there's a lot to kind of like about some of the things that Jesse did at Leeds. And and on that kind of note, yes, the last few results have been bad, and the Forest result of the weekend sparked you know, a, a bit of an outcry and a bit of, a bit of kind of trouble at the game because there is clearly a divide within the fan base as to who was backing Marsh and who wanted to, to change things over straight away. But you look at it and yes, Leeds are on a bad run of form and I know this is a results business. So you have to kind of come and put that in the context of everything. But Leeds have been improving, you know, from an eye test perspective and they've also been improving from a stats test perspective. I think they've outscored their last four opponents on XG. Now the results haven't come. So that's the that's the kind of kicker that overrides it all. But in many ways, I've, you look at what Leeds are trying to do and I, and I can understand it. I can understand where Marshall's trying to go with this team and just as these kind of things are trying to feeling like they were improving in a performance related way they've pulled the trigger and i think that's a, a kind of funny place to leave a leave a career you know you look at his record overall at leeds it's around 1.13 points a game um from, from the rough calculations in my head that's usually enough to keep you up in the premier league that's 40 points a year and 40 points keeps you up usually and from that perspective leeds are just trying to stay up at this year this isn't the Leeds time going for the european places they want to remain in the division and and that's where I find it's quite a difficult one to gauge. Yeah, it's what is what does Leeds think they are, right? Like how much better does Leeds believe they can be than what the results have been under Jesse Marsh? And when I was watching the game yesterday, you know, it was funny. I was thinking about that, the window and everything we talked about. And I just felt like, man, the the thing I've continued to, to say when I watch Leeds play is they don't have a goal scorer. They just don't. Like Bamford hasn't been that guy for a while. And yesterday in the first half, you know, Sinistera had a couple chances in front of goal. One that was a clear chance that even my guy, Kaylor Navas, as a Tico, even Navas wasn't going to save if he put it on frame, and he didn't. And, you know, that to me, I always say, like, what happens in the final third and in the box 
um, that that final pass, that final finish, that's not on the manager. At that point in time, it comes down to player ability. And I was surprised that they didn't go and try to find a solution in either of the last two windows because it seemed to be a problem that has existed at Leeds for a while, that they don't have a clear number nine, they don't have a clear finisher. And I thought that was like, to me, a, a pretty obvious missing piece for them um, just my opinion in in the games I've watched, and I haven't been watching every single Leeds match, but I, I've watched a few. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you in the sense that, like, I I think Leeds is right now. When you look at the the squad that they came into this Premier League season with, was a team that was going to be exactly where they are right now, fighting to to stay in the division, fighting to stay out of relegation zone, and that's exactly where they are, and and so. I don't know, like, I guess you could say Jesse Marsh hasn't elevated this team yeah, above what they are. And, you know, I, then we get into that question is like, how important are managers and and only do only the best, best managers in the world elevate a team above their collective, like what they should be? Yeah. I, I don't know, but I, I feel like this team is kind of, it is what it is. And I'm I'm interested to see, you know, with their next hire, do they stay bought into this idea of, of high pressing and 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 playing this kind of frantic style that's been the the way that they played under the last two managers. I I tend to believe, and I cover a lot of major league soccer. If you if you look at the the teams that have been successful on very low budgets, they they often play this high pressing system, and it's kind of an equalizer in in some ways. And we've seen it with New York Red Bulls when when Jesse was there, Philadelphia Union. It allows you to I think have a greater margin for error in the players you're signing because you know, technically you don't ask as much of those players. And I think it, it helps you when you're going to be on a lower budget than other teams. So like, is that the the business choice? You know, you're kind of blending sporting and business business that Leeds is going to go with, or are they going to move away from that system? Like who they hire as the next manager, it's it's more than just staying up this year. It's It's who do they want to be going forward? And clearly they think they should be better than, you know, 17th, right? So can this system take them there? Because it, it didn't under Bielsa and it didn't under Jesse. Mm. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's a really, really intriguing time to be at, at that for, for Leeds. But I think let's come on to kind of where it leaves Jesse, because these are now two jobs, his last two at Leipzig and now at Leeds, where he has lasted under a year. There was obviously major success before that at Salzburg and we're looking at this kind of career, which is maybe threatening to become a little bit nomadic at this point. We've seen two very brief stops now in his last two roles. And obviously the USMNT question is going to be asked. And I think we can come on to how that would kind of look or, or whether that's a sensible option. But for now, Jesse's kind of career as a manager has got to a, a juncture here where you're going, right, what is this next step? It feels like this next move for him is incredibly important because another move which would be looked at as a failure, whether that's true or not and whether that's fair or not, whether it be looked at as a failure, could spell quite a tough period for him as a manager because you don't want three of them in a row on your CV. Yeah, I'm very intrigued to see how Jesse Marsh is perceived across Europe for for what's happened at Leeds over the last year or a little less than a year. Like, do people think that this was a failure? Do people think Jesse Marsh did a good job? I, I don't know what the answer to that is. No. I've, I've seen opinions, pretty strong opinions both ways, you know, that, that people are like, Jesse Marsh has been perfectly fine and, and done exactly what we thought he would do, or Jesse Marsh is awful and he's a joke, and this is all a joke, right? 
Um, you know, I, 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 w- I hope I have a chance to talk to Jesse sometime in the next six months about his time at Leeds. I, I did have an opportunity to go to Salzburg and sit with him um, sort of early on in his tenure. It was going into his second season and it was ahead of his first Champions League match. Um, obviously, that team, that Salzburg team, to put it into context, they outspend everyone in the Austrian Bundesliga by quite a wide margin. They were expected to win the league, which Jesse did twice. Uh, they were expected to win the domestic cup, which Jesse did twice. Um, and the question was, how far could they go in Champions League? And, and Jesse was the first manager there to, to coach them in the group stage in some time and did well. I think that's kind of what helped Jesse's reputation is the way that they played against the bigger clubs. Now, that team that I watched also had Erling Halan, which which really helps, right? Like every opportunity that he was getting, pretty much he was scoring. I saw him score. I think I saw him score like six goals across two games that I was there in Austria. But what stood out to me about that trip is that Jesse, I, I am, I grew up playing and being taught in like the the Cruyff school, right? Like the Dutch style of play, keep possession, keep the ball on the ground, pass teams to death, yeah. hold the ball as much as you can. And Jesse is the opposite of that. Jesse believes of playing against the ball. And we had this debate in his office at the training facility. I think it was my first day there. Like we and Jesse and I had passed each other like a few times professionally, but we didn't really know each other. And here we are locked in this like philosophical debate about the right way to play football and why playing against the ball is is the better way to play versus my argument of playing with the ball. And when I walked away from that debate, I he's the only person who's ever kind of convinced. I mean, I, I didn't believe it, but I was like, okay, like that argument is a good argument. Like I get why you believe what you believe. But what I really took away was like, this guy believes this with every inch of his being. And if I think I have go back to those quotes, he basically says that like, this is who I am. This is how I believe the game should be played. And I will, will buy in on this to the full degree. And he's shown that over his last two jobs. In fact, you know, the quotes that he had when he left Leipzig, it was by mutual consent, right, is what they said, mutual decision that that, that this wasn't a fit. Why? Because Jesse wanted to go back to the full Red Bull system, and at Leipzig under Nagelsmann, they had moved away from yes. it. And the players didn't want to go back to it, and the club ultimately realized they didn't, you know, they weren't going to be able to move back to it. And Jesse was like, well, that's how I coach. <laughs> so this isn't going to work, yeah, right? That's how I operate. And, he, and if you don't like it, then unfortunately, this is not going to be a marriage made in heaven. Yeah, he was kind of like, this is who I am. I don't need to change. And this just isn't the right fit. And I'll find a club that fits the way I am. And he did. He found that with Leeds. And now it's been, le- it was less than a year at Leipzig. Now less than a year at Leeds. And I think there were questions of, you know, is this the way to play? I mean, I've seen names on Twitter like Yeehaw Ball. For, for what Jesse's system was at Leeds, does he believe that he needs to evolve at all? Does he believe that he did evolve at Leeds? Like, that's the question I want to ask him. Like, is he afraid that he's going to get tagged, that he can only coach in one system? That, I'm very interested to hear what Jesse Marsh thinks about that because it it holds an important answer when it comes to the U.S. men's national team and whether he should be considered a candidate for that job not just because he got fired from his last two jobs in less than a year, but because he is such a devotee to that style of play. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. But that leads us on to it, right? This is the question mark that's going to be hanging on to everyone's head right now, and especially those associated with the USMNT, which is in a funny position in itself, right, in terms of the clear out in the back room and, and what's going on and the whole kind of decision to hold on reappointing people. It, it leaves everything up in the air at the moment. And I think when you kind of put that into context, Jesse is one of those people who, you know, six months ago, 12 months ago even, would people have looked at this and gone, he is the best possible option for the USMNT going into our home World Cup in 2026. And it's one of those strange ones where obviously there is this fact that the only people who have ever coached their, their national sides to a World Cup come from within the nation that they are coaching. It's one of the unwritten rules in so many ways of international management and successful international management in that it gives you an opportunity to, to bond deeper i think a little bit with your with your team and, and create that kind of atmosphere one of jesse's great strengths i think is man management and i think maybe in the international sphere that's something that matters even more than it does in a club sphere because you have a limited time frame and we've seen teams who are not necessarily you know the most beautiful teams to watch go and win tournaments by playing a relatively reactive style. I think when you look at what the USMNT roster looks like, there's plenty of ability to be high octane, high press, and, and get the most out of that. The question is, is that the best thing for a three-year project, which would, this would then be ahead of that 2026 World Cup? And that's where this all starts to come to a head, and you have to try and work out where the best elements of this are for both sides. Yeah, I mean, there's there's two aspects to this, and I'll start with the, the logistical one. The U.S. U.S. Soccer in nine days, Ernie Stewart is going to leave to go to PSV. Cindy Parlo Cohn 
the president of U.S. Soccer has said her hope is that U.S. Soccer hires a manager for the USMNT by the, quote, end of summer. They're going to hire the sporting director first, and they clearly are going to take their time in that. That means that they might not fill this position for six months. There is huge risk in that decision. There is a huge risk because this is the time, as we see, that managers start to be fired, that that availability starts to happen. And at the end of the season, there's going to be two months where there's a bunch of coaches and a bunch of jobs that are open. And U.S. soccer could potentially miss out on that window to hire people because they're they're taking their time. Yeah, it's you know, clearly you can see my opinion is it's the wrong decision in how long they intend to drag this hiring process out. I think that they should have a sporting director in place by April and they should be trying to get the hire done, you know, somewhere by the end of May, early June when when the when the season's over, the European season ends and these jobs are open. And here's here's the problem. Jesse Marsh is now a free agent. Is he going to wait six months and when jobs open up? at the end of May around Europe, is he going to jump at one of those jobs rather than the national team job? So there's that part of it first, of the the choice that U.S. soccer is making to drag this process out, un, you know, for me, needlessly so. But because they're looking at, quote unquote, the whole structure of the sporting department and, and that need, takes time. Okay, well, I think it's the wrong choice. Let's go to Jesse now. I think... You know, when it, when I think about how Jesse could fit with this team, you're right. This U.S. team, we saw their evolution under Greg Berhalter. They play a, a more aggressive, pressing, vertical style of soccer. That's That fits them. It suits them. You look at the midfield trio, Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, Eunice Musa. Not, none of those three players, is is their strength is not on the ball, right? Like they can run, they can press, they can tackle. Eunice Musa can carry the ball forward. Yeah. He's not much of a passer. Weston McKenney, I think, is very good at arriving late in the box. He, he's above average finisher for his position, but he's not a passer. We, we see the numbers on that to like a very high degree. And Tyler Adams is incredible. I mean, I thought he had a wonderful World Cup doing what he does best, protecting the back line, breaking up opposition attacks, filling spaces, and getting the ball off his foot quickly to somebody else. Like He's, he's elite at that. This team is built to run. They can run. Christian Pulisic wants to get out and run into space. Brendan Aronson wants to get out and run into space. Tim Weah is at his best when he is running in behind the back line. So in that way, Jesse Marsh can easily take over this team and fit the strengths of this team, I think, with some adjustment in kind of his thought of how to best utilize the press and what to do when you have the ball. Because there are games where the U.S. is going to have the ball. Now... The man management part, what I think is very interesting is Greg Berhalter and Jesse Marsh are different in how they think about the game and how they approach different situations. I, I've, I've met both of them. I've had conversations with both of them. I also think they're more similar than people realize in terms of their approach in a, in a locker room and their belief in themselves and their belief in kind of how to win players over and how how won over those players are. I think there are more similarities than people realize between the two of them in that way. So 
I just I, I want to put that out there just because there have been there's been so much hate directed at Greg Berhalter as a manager. But one of the things when you talk to the group is that like he is he was well liked, relatively well liked in the locker room. And and so I do think that that would translate certainly to to Jesse Marsh. We saw when he wrote a column in, for the Athletic in the World Cup talking about U.S. soccer and the way they want to play. And I thought one of the interesting parts about that column from Jesse Marsh was he talked about Christian Pulisic and how he felt like Christian Pulisic hadn't been unlocked yet and how one of his strengths as a manager is getting to know the person and then by getting to know the person, putting that person in the best place and the best way to maximize their ability as a footballer. I thought that was a vi- almost like a sales pitch, right, to being the next manager. So I think that there are aspects of Jesse that fit really well into being the manager of the U.S. men's national team. I think his experience under Bob Bradley at the Confederations Cup when the U.S. went to the final, they upset Spain. They had a 2-0 lead on Brazil in the final, lost at 3-2, and then obviously at the 2010 World Cup is a plus. I think his personality is something that will do just fine in the locker room. He obviously knows Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson quite well. He met Weston yeah, for a, for couple a few of days. days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there are those positives. I think the, the big question now around Jesse is, one, is he the big questions. One, is he going to be available still when they finally get around to making this hire? Two, is there any concern over the fact that he's been fired from his last two jobs in less than a year and there hasn't been much change in system when we see at the international level you need some flexibility in how you play um and three do they want an american manager yeah i think a lot of the loud fan base not the the greater fan base but the loud ones on twitter believe that this u.s team is you know um, sent from the heavens, that this is the golden generation, that they are so great. These players are so incredible that only a European manager can take them to the next height. I don't buy that. I don't buy that the U.S. team, the players are that good. I think that they're better, you know, better. they're playing at better clubs. But um, I, I'm interested to see kind of how much U.S. soccer is swayed by the volume of those fans. Yeah. It I'm sorry for that very long-winded No, answer. no, no. I think I think it's incredibly <laughs> interesting. I think you're absolutely right to highlight the different dynamics of what these things are. And actually something I kind of wanted to ask, and, and not necessarily, you know, as a kind of alternative, but Southampton look like they're very close to getting rid of Nathan Jones. The board are unhappy with the comments he's made. They've come from Hassan Hootel's style, which is very, very on brand in this RB model. And if they're going to get rid of their manager and go back to trying to play that way because they feel that they've dropped off in terms of intensity since losing Hasenhutl. And Southampton fans loved Hasenhutl for what he brought, the energy, the, you know, the, the vivality, the, all of it, they really got behind. And something they haven't got behind at all in terms of Nathan Jones. If that opportunity comes up, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Southampton turned to Jesse Marsh because I think he'll look at that and be like, there you go. There's Hassan Hootel's squad with a couple of additions. Do you reckon you can get a tune out of them? And I think Jesse Marsh would say, yeah, I think I can. But that in itself is a huge risk considering where Southampton currently sit and where they currently find themselves in the Premier League table. Because if that wasn't to work out and they weren't to stay up, if they did appoint Marsh, 
that is another massive black mark on the books. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the reality. Is like again, it also goes back to that question we asked earlier, which is like, how is Jesse Marsh perceived by the powers that be in Europe, not just the the fans or the journalists, right? That the people who are doing the hiring, you know, are is the board at a club like Southampton or at a Bundesliga club, a team that's at the bottom of the table and and wants to play and get out and run and press? And are they going to look at Jesse and say, well, he couldn't do it in this league with? Leipzig, which had been a Champions League semifinalist, is he going to be able to do it with us? You know, I'm very interested to see the perception, but I agree with you that there are, you can look around Europe and find the clubs that would make sense for Jesse Marsh, that want to play this system, that have at some point in time, you know, when Leipzig was at its peak, said, we want to play this style. And and started to hire coaches from under the Red Bull umbrella and, you know, started to, to kind of tweak their rosters to fit that system. And and those are the places Jesse Marsh could step in right away and you think have an impact kind of quickly. Um, but will it happen? I, I'm, I'm very curious. I think the next few months will show us kind of how people real what people really think about how jesse marsh did at leeds Hmm. yeah no i think you're absolutely right and i think the key element we've taken away from this is there's more there's more questions than answers uh, after after this whole scenario with jesse marsh it's it's intriguing that's fair i feel like that way every time i watch leeds play like the final whistle blows i'm like was that good yes was that was that was that good? I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you. Some of the moments I'm like, oh, they've turned the corner. And then someone will just career through the middle of Leeds' midfield. And I'm like, oh, they haven't turned the corner at all. They're, <laughs> they're exactly the same. And, you know, you yeah. look at the numbers this season and you look at the players who have conceded the most, you know, from counter-attacking goals, all five of the top five are Leeds. And you're like, okay, right, cool. What have we learned from this? Leeds are really bad under the counter-attack. And it's something that you kind of, associate with that because of the way that they press meaning that if you can get through it you're fine and you're away but it's also one of those where you're like at least they are sticking to the methodology and i don't necessarily think in itself that is a bad thing so you're completely spot on in that there's there's a lot of things to come forward now in the next couple of months that are going to determine this but i i completely agree on your usmnt point in that if they were going to do this, they need to get a shift on and they need to get a shift on quickly because if they believe this is the right option, then that's something that needs to be done before someone else takes a chance because someone will. Someone will take a chance on Jesse Marsh. Now, whether that is a team that we expect or it's someone that comes out of the blue or it means even someone from a division below goes, oh, you know what? Maybe we could take a gamble on this as we're, as we're looking to progress up the leagues and we think we can move things on by offering them an opportunity. I just wonder how, how the timeline is going to affect this. And I think that's maybe the most pertinent point of all. Yeah, it, it, I mean, you can, see, you can see me. People can't see me. I'm just shaking my head. Every time I think about the timeline that's been laid out by US Soccer, it just doesn't make sense to me at all. I don't understand how you can justify it and and you and even in recent history, U.S. Soccer can look back on a year under an interim manager after the debacle in 2017, and and Greg Berhalter talked about the fact that that was difficult for that team to be able to start progressing and moving forward. Even though Dave Sarikin did a great job as an interim manager, the best he could, you can't really move forward until the new manager is in place. So to willingly stretch this out a half a year when you already have a timeline that's shorter because there was a winter World Cup ahead of a summer world cup yep. you're now shrinking that even further to make to, to kind of 
build on what happened in Qatar. It just is is a maddening, maddening choice for me from U.S. Soccer. I, I just I I cannot fathom why they think it's the right decision. Well, maybe things will change. Maybe they'll see this opportunity and go, actually, maybe we shouldn't wait, wait half a year in order to make a decision. But uh, stranger things have happened, although I wouldn't be getting my hopes off anyway. Yeah, I, I, I believe it when I see it, you yeah, know? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I think we will leave that episode there. So all that's left for me to do is say thank you so much for listening and thank you so much, Paul, for joining me. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, had a great time. Thanks so much. Perfect. This has been the Athletic Soccer Show reacting to the news that Jesse Marsh has been sacked as the Leeds United manager and wondering what the future holds for a man once heralded as the bastion of US coaching in Europe. We shall see. Thank you so much for tuning in.